The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Today's scripture is Galatians 6, 6 through 10. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in and joining us. This is the Christ Presbyterian Church's Cool Springs location sermon for this Sunday. Uh, Glad to have you with us. What a year we have had 2020 has been filled with all kinds of just unbelievable things. And, and even this month, the month of March, has, has had just so much going on uh, with the tornado and the quarantine and the, the coronavirus, all of this stuff that's happening, which is not to mention all of the other things that are going on in people's lives. I, I um, from, from a long time ago, I became a huge fan of a songwriter named Rich Mullins. Rich passed away back in the 90s. Uh, but he was truly one of the greats. He was a, a, an amazing songwriter. Um, and he had this song that, that was on one of his compilations. And the song is called, We Are Not As Strong As We Think We Are. And that title alone is, is such a profound thing. But here's what he sings in that song. He says, we are frail. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, forged in the fires of human passion and choking on the fumes of selfish rage, and with these our hells and our heavens so few inches apart, we must be awfully small and not as strong as we think we are. If this year has taught us anything, it's this. It's that we are not as strong as we think we are. We are, in fact, vulnerable. We're vulnerable to all kinds of things that come our way. But what we have to remember is that this vulnerability is nothing new. The tornado, COVID-19, these things did not cause our vulnerability. They exposed it. They exposed what's been here all along. So how do we live? How do we live in a world that can be so fragile? Today's passage speaks to that. Paul is writing, and we have to remember, he's writing to a new church. He's writing to a young church. This is a church of people who are learning. They're in the very beginning of learning how to be one body made up of many parts. And so what he's doing is he's giving them specific instruction concerning how to live as one. There are three kind of main ideas that I want to hit on this morning as we unpack this passage and kind of draw the application that he's, that he's unpacking here for the church in Galatia and by extension the Holy Spirit for us through his word. The first is take care of your church workers. So that's the first. The second is take care of your church. And the third is take care of your neighbors. So we're going to unpack these together. Verse six, he says, let the one who is taught 
the word of God, share all good things with the one who teaches. Now, almost every commentary you read about verses six through 10 are gonna tell you that what Paul is talking about here is he's talking about a congregation's responsibility to take care of their church workers, to take care of pastors and leaders, those whose ministry is their livelihood. So let the one who has taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. N.T. Wright said this, he said, by, by the word here, Paul means something wider than just the Bible, uh, though the Bible remained at the center of his message. He meant the whole gospel of Jesus rooted in the Old Testament and worked out through the apostles' teaching. The people who are bringing that and are teaching that take care of them. And so Paul is saying to the church, make it so that those who give their lives to unfolding the gospel of Jesus Christ for you are able to continue in their work free from worldly cares to the extent that that's possible. In other words, pay them. But he's telling them to see it as more than just mere compensation. He's saying, consider this as a way of sharing with these church workers in every good thing, that compensation is unto the end of ongoing fellowship. As the teacher shares his or her gifts, you should share yours also. And this verse then sets up those that follow, which have a certain sharpness to them. Paul does this, right? He has a sharp tongue sometimes. He says some, some things that are very confrontational in nature. And here's what he says in verses seven through, uh, through eight and nine. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whoever, whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Here what Paul's doing is he's warning the congregation to examine their hearts. And this is the counsel of scripture throughout when it comes to wealth, the use of money, the role money plays in our life. Scripture continually again and again calls us, examine your heart. Do you have hold of it? Does it have hold of you? What role does it play? And so here in this context, the question is, what is the church to you? Is the church a place that is just for the people who go there to obtain a service? One that is provided for them, but is not a place necessarily that is theirs to support. And so when the church member examines what they use their resources on, it usually will tell the story of what they care about the most. So when somebody examines what they spend their resources on, Paul is asking, does it mostly go to the things of your own pleasure? This, he uses the term sowing to his own flesh. Are you using the resources entrusted to you basically to support yourself and to make yourself happy? And here Paul returns to that principle over and over again, that God knows our hearts. And Paul is saying, don't just treat the church, but really treat the wealth that has been entrusted to you as a resource that exists for the purpose of glorifying God. Don't regard the resources entrusted to you as existing solely for your own pleasure because, he says, that's a form of mocking God. How is that a form of mocking God? That's an important thing for us to understand. 
The reason that's a form of mocking God, that is treating everything that I have access to as possessions that I own and that are mine and only mine is a form of mocking God because we really are not the owners of anything. David prayed this in 1 Chronicles 29 when they completed the temple, they took, uh, when they were completing the palace and, and, and collecting the money for the resources and the things that people gave, people gave and they were able to build and David prays this prayer and one of the things that he says to the Lord, he says, who are we that we should be able to give so willingly for all things come from you and everything that we have given to you is something that you have already given to us in the first place. So everything we have comes from God. And that means that everything we have ultimately also belongs to God. We're not the owners of anything. We're stewards of anything. I think of friends of mine who um, own really nice acoustic guitars. That's what comes to mind. I have a couple of friends who own legendary guitars, uh, small batch, uh, handcrafted guitars. And whenever I talk to them about these particular guitars, they do not treat them as though they are the owner, but as a steward for a time. Because the idea is that that acoustic guitar is going to outlive them. And they're the caretaker of it for now. And so they'll buy a case for that guitar that is more than a lot of guitars off the shelf at a store would cost because they know that they have this thing that is, that is incredibly beautiful and, and an incredible piece of craftsmanship and it's theirs to care for and to be a steward of. When we live as though we own what belongs to God, it's a form of fraud. And God considers that mockery, to lay claim to something that ultimately is his, and to lay claim of it, in, to lay claim to it in such a way that we withhold it from him. How does that factor into the church and the teacher and the ministry of the word? It's this, it's that the ministry of the word in an ongoing way builds people into a community of faith. It builds individuals into a family of faith and 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 forces and, and builds these people into a force of redemptive change in the world. I think that we often have a very small view of the local church. It's, we'll see it as the place where we go for church on Sunday mornings, but we have to remember the local church is an organization, an institution, a gathering of people that the Lord has used to change the world. Hospitals, orphanages, ethical centers, People who have been on the front lines of civil rights and marching for equity and contending, speaking truth to power. The church has been used for this. As people who are part of the church now, we are no less part of an organization that God uses for things like that. And so we, we can't have a small view of the church, but we have to understand that we're a group of people that gather together under the banner of Christ in order to be his hands and his feet in the world. You know what's important for that? That we are grounded and centered in his word. And so Paul says, take care of the people whose job it is to bring that to you. 
And so when we sow only in ourselves, the things that we buy, they they wear out and they fade. Paul says these are things that, that just go to corruption, right? But when we invest in the kingdom of heaven, when we invest in the kingdom of God on earth, what we're doing is we're contributing to things that have eternal life and staying power. And it's, and it's the same eternal life, frankly, that, that Christians themselves hope for. What if no one ever asked, what are you doing with your resources? What if no one ever suggested, hey, be careful with the way you use money. Be careful with the way you think about money, with the way you value money. What if no one ever suggested that, hey, our use of the resources that are entrusted to us, there are ethical implications there that affect people more than you. There are eternal implications there. If no one was ever saying anything about it, we know what would happen because we see this all the time in so many areas in our culture where people say, just don't talk about that. We'd become a slave to it. We'd be led around by the nose of our appetites swollen and numb to the needs of others. That's what would happen. Now, while we're on the subject of paying church workers, I want to tell you some things about my own situation as your pastor here at Christ Presbyterian Church as the Cool Springs location pastor. The first thing I'll say is this. I do not know who gives to this church. When you and I have a conversation, I do not know If you give, what you give, how much you give, how regularly you give, what method you use to give, I don't know. And I don't want to know. What I I do know is I know that over half of American Christians give nothing to their church homes. Um, I imagine because we are a younger and a smaller uh, congregation that we're a year and a half into our time together, that our average is probably higher on that because we're a group full of people who are into the idea of getting something off the ground and, and putting our shoulder to the wheel. So I, I imagine that that's happening, but I am not looking. I don't see totals. I don't know totals. What I can tell you is this. I have never been as well compensated as I am by this church. Our retirement options are solid. My salary sustains our family. I have access to insurance. And on top of all that, I love, love what I get to do. I am not confused. When you see me, you are not looking at somebody who is confused about God's call on their life. I'm a pastor who feels called to giving my life, to communicating the truths of scripture in accessible ways to people in process. And if that statement, communicating the truths of scripture in accessible ways to people in process, sounds like a personal mission statement, that's because it is my personal mission statement. So in case you're wondering about my motives, preaching on a passage where Paul is saying, pay church workers, if you're wondering if my motives are self-serving, I don't lack anything. What concerns me is this. Are some of you owned by your wealth? Do you regard your possessions as entirely your own for the purpose of indulging yourself only? This is as much a concern for you as it is for our church as a whole. Do we see ourselves here or do we, do we come here? Do we see ourselves as here for services rendered? Or 
are we here for one another? So care for your church workers. And that's not just pastors. That's, that's people whose livelihood it is in making the church run and happen. And that's their, that's their, their work uh, in the world. But are we here just for services rendered or for one another? Which leads to the next point, And that is take care of your church. In verse 10, he says then, uh, he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, when he says, especially to those who are of the household of faith, he's saying, he's not saying care less about people who are not, but what he's saying is for those who are part of the household of faith, you are bound together. You're a family. You, you have chosen intentionally. It's why we have membership. You've chosen intentionally to say to a group of people, a local church, you're mine and I'm yours, and I'm going to walk with you. We received members a couple of Sundays ago, and one of the things I like to say as we're about to read the membership vows is when we receive members, it's this beautiful moment in time where people are wearing nice clothes and they're lucid, and they're saying to a congregation full of people, I have the capacity to run my life into the ground. And I'm asking you now, while I'm thinking clearly, if you see me do that, intervene. Don't let me go down that road. And that's what, one of the reasons why we have membership is to say, I'm formally acknowledging I'm a part of this. That you can count on me. And I know that I have it in me. Because I see it happen all the time. To blow my own life up. And I'm, I'm telling you, hold me accountable for that. Take care of your church, especially those who are part of the household of faith. I see you, people at Christ Pres Cool Springs, I see you more than I see my mom and dad. I see you with much greater frequency than I see them. And you are more up to date on the inner workings of my life and what happens in my life throughout the week than my own parents are. And I'm close to my parents. I love my parents. But I lean on you to take care of me. And not just in the ways we talked about before, but, but for you to be my church family. One of the things that Lisa and I have always cared about when it comes to our church is we want to make sure that it's a place where I'm not just the pastor there, but that I can look people in the eye and say, this church is where my family worships. And that is very much the case for us here at this place. I love being a pastor here. But Paul is saying, as you have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially those who are in the household of faith. Pay attention for the opportunities that arise because they arise. We're in the middle of a season like that where there are lots of opportunities to care for those around us, for those who are part of our church. Is there something somebody needs that somebody else has? Is there, is there somebody that you suspect might have a need because you've been paying attention? You've seen opportunity. You have friendships. You asked a question after the service one day that planted a seed in your mind to say, I, I should probably ask another question or two about that just to make sure that they're okay. If you know that, chances are you may be the only person who knows that. Make a phone call. See if you can help somebody, if there's something that they need. Is there a neighbor that you can take something to? Especially those in the household of faith. And then he ends by saying, take care of, of well, when he says to, uh, as you have opportunity, let's do good to everyone, especially those. We can't forget the everyone, right? That he prefaces this for taking care of those in the household of faith with saying, take care of everyone. Do good to everyone. 
This year, 2020, has been a year that has provided us ample opportunity already to practice the art of doing good to everyone in a number of ways. The storms that rolled through town, how do we do good to our neighbors who suffered in that, who lost things, who are still struggling and still rebuilding? What are ways that we can serve, contribute, volunteer, donate? For those who are vulnerable, to COVID-19? What are ways that we can serve them and do good to them in the ways that we refrain from certain public behaviors and certain ways of interacting in public that will help, you know, curtail the spread of this thing? What are ways that we can care for them? And let's not forget, it's an election year. It's a year where we're going to have all kinds of opportunity to think little of people. We're going to have all kinds of opportunity to regard other people as just morons for what they think, what they, what they must think if they believe so-and-so would be the best person for such-and-such, such, right? Paul is saying, no, when you live, when you move through this world as a follower of Jesus Christ, own the responsibility of loving people well. When Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he tells a story of somebody who's in trouble and needs help, needs somebody to do good to them. And the picture that you see is of somebody who sacrifices their own well-being, their own time, their own resources in order to care for somebody who's vulnerable, somebody who's beaten, and somebody who frankly isn't out of danger yet. Somebody who may be laying there beaten in the road by somebody who is considering that person who's laying there beaten in the road now as bait for the next person who comes along and dares to help him. And he intervenes and he helps and he carries his burden. And he says, I'm going to put your care on my tab and I'm going to pay for what you need. He moves toward rather than away. What does it look like for us to do that with our neighbors right now? What does it look like for us to care? As Scott Sauls uh, posted earlier on, on, on Twitter, we need to wash our hands, but then we also need to be thinking of ways to wash other people's feet. How do we lean into this? As we have opportunity, let's look. Let's look for opportunity to do good to everyone. Maybe one of the benefits of life slowing down right now for many of us or being more in our homes than before, is the opportunity to see our neighbors and to catch a little bit of a sense of, of what the rhythm of their lives is like. And maybe to see ways that we can care for them, ways that we can do something for them. Maybe you're somebody with a shed full of tools and you have a neighbor who has a tree that's broken off at the base. You can maybe take care of that for them. Ask them if they need help. There are a variety of ways that we can do this, but... It's a beautiful thing to pay attention, to keep our eyes open. And so let's do that. We've been called here to take care of one another, to care for our church, to care for our neighbors. And so let's do that. As we move forward, we're in the Lord's hands. We're not as strong as we think we are, but we're in the Lord's care. And he's strong and he's got us. And he will take care of us and give us everything we need for everything that he has called us to do and to be. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you, I thank you for the opportunity to um, play a sermon online. Uh, this is something that for the vast majority 
of the time that the church has existed. This has not been available. And yet, here we are. At a time when people are self-quarantined, when people are uh, practicing social distancing, we are able to still gather together around your word uh, in this way. And so I thank you for it. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the common grace of the ingenuity that went into the invention of all of the things that make this happen. It's, a, it's, it's, it's an exhibit of people doing good to each other, uh, that, we can even, that we can even do this now. And so we thank you for it. Uh, Lord, we ask that you would um, give us dependence on you, that you would make us to be a people who do not live in fear, uh, but give ourselves away for the care of one another. Thank you for the beauty of your word. I thank you for the gift of the local church. I thank you for my friends who I miss. Uh, Lord, hasten the day where we can gather again together in the same room. Uh, and until then, Lord, thank you for your spirit being present with us always. Uh, in fact, taking up residence inside of us. Uh, we're thankful for your mercy and your grace and your kindness. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, it's our custom to end with a benediction in the doxology. And I am just going to trust that we all know each other well enough that this isn't going to get weird for you when I pronounce a benediction and then I sing the doxology because that's what I'm going to do. So if you're in your living rooms, if you're watching online, if you're in a place where you can and you're so inclined, let me invite you to stand for the benediction and we'll sing the doxology together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace in the matchless name and in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. See you next week.